0: Cornelius! Hello people of the world, welcome to another edition, edition, some sort of an episode of Conversations with Cornelius. I am your host, Cornelius Patrick O'Sullivan, and I hope you're all keeping well today, guys. I hope you're all keeping fantastic, I hope you're all doing so well. Um. Yeah, it is the 3rd of August, the 3rd of August, uh, and a Thursday, if I am correct, and I am correct, I've just checked, it is Thursday, today is Thursday, so so far this has been a factual podcast, a fairly factual podcast, um, how many Thursdays have you lived through so far is a question that I'd like to put out to the audience there. How many Thursdays do you think you have a, have been There are seven days in a week as we all know How many Thursdays have you lived You know And out of the seven days in a week actually As we're on the topic Which one statistically Is the one that you most Enjoyed in your life I wonder, I ponder I pontificate I'm trying to think myself now I'm going to say Thursday wouldn't be a bad one Thursday would be pretty good Thursday's the end of the week For most people uh, you can see the weekend in sight, which means you're unlocked from the chains of society and free for a day, maybe even two days, to exist. Very interesting uh, concept that we're all chained down during the week, and then we get a, like a, a, a little section of time then to, to relax at the weekends. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I fucking seem to work all the time. I, I uh, that's that's the way it is for me at the moment. Anyway, work, 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 work. Family, family, family. Work, work, work. Family, family, family. That's the way it's going. And do I like it? I, I don't know. I think I do like it. I think I'm in love with it. I think I'm, I think I'm having an. I think I'm having a full-blown affair with myself and my family and my work, and uh, behind myself and my family's back. And I'm enjoying it. I'm in mean the John Hume War Room and my mind is perplexed as usual. Outside, I'm looking uh, on this August day. It is, what time is it? It's 20 to 3. And And for those of you who do not know what taushe anaskamalok erfad means, it means it's Gaelic for it is very cloudy indeed. The cloud. Nilain uh, green, uh, suspare. Uh Nilme alta. Uh, Okay, I've I've reached my limit of Irish. Uh, Like nilain green, so There's no sun in the sky, and then I was like Neil me abhiltá, but then I couldn't remember what the Irish for sea was. To see, I don't know, and I'm not going to fucking Google it. Why would a bad? Why do I want to Google it? As I say that now, the sun emerges from a particularly grey cumulus selection of fluffy and frizzy clouds. Uh, we're in August. I'm looking out the window in the John Hume War Room and it is bouncing alive. Everything is vibrant. Green is the predominant colour and it is reverberating into the atmosphere and it is quite stark compared to the sky. Normally this time of year you're looking at green and blue but now it's green and grey and darker grey and I'm, I'm, I'm I'm googling the sky frantically with my own eyes To look for a speck of blue A little chink of light And there is none there guys There is none And weather affects us doesn't it It affects us It just it, It is the main topic of conversation with a random stranger It is the main topic of conversation With a familiar stranger We're all strangers guys We might think we know each other But we don't fucking know each other We only know ourselves. Um, (laughs) I just met a friend, actually, right? A farmer, right? I I was inside in town. I bought some b- bits and pieces, I'm, gonna, I'm in the middle of a fast there and I'm, I'm breaking, uh, breaking it later on and I want to um, cook some nutritious, nutritionally dense food, so I went to town to buy some nutritionally f- dense food. And on the way home, as I pulled into my uh, yard here at home, um, a friend of mine pulled in behind me and I haven't seen him in ages, and um, we, we settled into, uh, and he's a farmer himself, right? And I asked him how things were and he began complaining about the weather. And you know what I'm I'm not st- like I come I I just I joined in. I joined in when we sang and we danced about how shit the weather is and I was complaining that I couldn't cut my lawn um because the ground is too wet and obviously he's complaining that his crops are uh, n- unable to be cut because they're too wet as well. So um yeah, I have to agree it's pretty glum, particularly when you consider that this is August, you know, uh dark, moody wind and rain are not the types of uh, adjectives that I would like to be using to describe um, to, 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 to describe the, the weather in the middle of or at the start of August. But look, hope springs eternal. We had two good weeks at the start of the summer and I'm hoping if we got, all, if we got the rest of August just copped itself on, we'd be all good. We'd be a, all good in the hood. Can I take a little sip of my refreshing water? Mm. I wonder how you are. Listen to me. If you're listening to the podcast, please send me an old direct mail on my Instagram, Cornelius the Comic. Let me know how it's going. Let me know if you have any questions. Let me know what episode you like. Let me know how you're feeling. I'm interested. I am interested. Uh, last week was probably one of the busiest weeks I've ever put down um, since the beginning of time. <laughs> You know, it was just crazy. As a comedian, it was fucking crazy. Kyla Cobbler was over for the week, um, and I had just a fucking absolute whale of a time with Kyla. She stayed here for a couple of days, (coughs) and uh, (coughs) she was gigging all week. We we were gigging uh, all over the fucking place. Um, But she stayed here, and one of the days that she stayed here, we went up to the Ballyhora Mountains here, just uh, outside Kildare, in between Mallow and Kildare. And uh, we did the Canon the Canon Sheehan loop. And if you ever find yourself in the Balihoras uh, with maybe three hours to spare, it takes about two and a half to three hours to do this to do this loop. It is enchanting. It is spiritual. It is epic in epic. Gen- epic is so overused, but this is epic. You know, it's not for the faint-hearted. It's not a—it's not a difficult walk, but it's certainly—you know—you need a, a, you need to be able to walk non-stop for two and a half hours if you want to do it. Um, but there we stopped at the Mass Rock. There's a Mass Rock halfway through the the walk where people used to go and gather hundreds of years ago, over 150, 200 years ago, when when um, the English had outlawed Catholicism in Ireland and mass was illegal it's where irish people used to go and i'm telling you now guys this is rural i to drive to get to this place is rural full stop and then when you park up your car you're just entering into the belly of the beast of ruralality ruralality rurality, rural (laughs) epic epic and myself and kyla we wandered into it and um it started we no, we. I didn't really look at the weather forecast, but we brought um, we brought jackets that were weatherproof, right? Uh, but we were wearing shorts. That's how warm it was. Um, and it started as we were going through the forest section, right? Which can only be described as Jurassic in its nature: thick, trunky tr- trees shooting up into the sky, old. Oak, indigenous Irish trees merged with new modern birch and hazel and fucking fir and evergreen. It, like it's really difficult for me to even try and, and, and articulate it because the branches were contorting and helpful and unhelpful and winding and interesting and uh, it was. There was periods of, com- of 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 darkness and light, and the juxtaposition of the river thundering down beside the the the, the walk uh, it was was just epic. Epic is the word. Bridges, manifa- man-made bridges, two man-made, three man-made br- man-made bridges to bring you either side of the of the, the roaring river that that uh, that dissects. Uh, the forest, and then you have to climb out of the forest, and it's again not, you know, not mountain climbing, like you know, like walk, but hike out of it, hike out of it, and you're just elevated, and then you suddenly you emerge into the brightness, and it's almost like Dharma Initiative vibes from that show last. You just kind of come out into this clinical landscape, and you suddenly realize, whoa, I'm at the top of a fucking mountain here, and you can see, and you know how you know because you hear this noise. Windmills, like electric electricity, windmills are within a fucking a dog's breath, if that is even a saying, right? Away from you, and you can hear them. <whistles> but the sky is misty grey, and I didn't even tell you about the rain. The rain poured down like a tap, like a warm, dripping tap down on Pan, myself, and Kyla for the whole walk. It like drenched drenched our shoes and drenched our legs, but we had the appropriate um, kind of weather, uh, uh, rain wear that, that meant that we weren't actually physically, like our chests and our fucking, um, our arms and, and, and um, torsos were dry, but our legs were wet, and our shoes were wet, and our faces were wet, and our hands were wet, and our fingers were wet, and it was fucking brilliant. Kyla kept calling it healing, she goes that was very healing, and I felt healed. I don't know what I was needed to be healed from, but I felt healed on this absolutely spiritual and epic walk. <laughs> we made our way down to the mass rock through this kind of clinical um like all the it, it turns into a kind of a road, but like a road not used, but like with chips on it, and at either side, then there's like more manufactured f- uh, forests and uh, then there's like um, gorse bushes with yeah, bulbous yellow flowers that are, um, I remember from being, I didn't smell them on the day now but I remember smelling them before when I had been up there taking magic mushrooms and um, they smell like coconut, like like beautiful warm coconut but I didn't experience that smell and now I'm thinking back at it, I should have done that. We brought sandwiches that my wife had lovingly prepared for us before we went out and we ate them down at the Mass Rock. And we were giggling and we were chatting and we had some fucking really interesting, like, moments of, like, clarity. And I, I have to say now, I don't have many friends on this planet that are women. I have to say that. Like, my best friend is a woman, that's my wife, who I love and adore and honour and respect. But I don't really have many other friends that I hang out with that are women. And Kyla is kind of in that zone now, you know? And, um... Yeah, it was fucking amazing. Absolutely amazing. Great walk all together. And then the week, the week, the week. Jesus, the week was gigs all over the gaff. Kerry, Cork, Macsherry, uh Cork, then up and down to uh Dublin to go to the Paddy Power comedy festival. And that was fucking insane. Oh my god almighty. That was my first big, well I did, I did cat laughs a few years ago to Kilkenny cat laughs, but I think that is um, the shine from the cat laughs has waned in recent years, and this is the festival to be booked at now, this is the festival that all the, all the comedians, um, uh, you know, we all meet each other, and we don't meet each other that often, because obviously, if I'm doing a gig, right, I'm doing it with a maximum of like three other comedians, and, uh you know, there's maybe four or 500 comedians working every weekend. So it's quite unusual that you get to just hang out (coughs) with comedians um, that you know and that you've worked with for years and years and years. Um, But it was, this was showbiz. Like I was was actually now so fucking delighted to be booked for this festival. And um, I got to hang out with Barry Murphy. I was drinking pints and taking snuff. Ian Coppager gave me some snuff, uh, and uh, drinking pints with Bar- Barry Murphy, who was an abs- is an absolute legend in, in my opinion. He's one of the main reasons that I was I ever explored comedy in the first place. He he's um, he used to do a show on RT years ago called The End, and they used to have little snippets of of stand up comedy in it. And they used to show uh, comedy shows, and he himself was hilarious in it. And then he's in that prey match of course, and his stand-up is just brilliant. And he does this German character called Gunther. That's fucking insane. But yeah, I was hanging out. I did my gig in in with Chris and Sinead and Laura Manny and, and, uh, and Cullum. And we just fucking all hung out afterwards. And then I went to the green room after our gig, and fucking... Who's who of comedy was there? Like Tommy Tiernan to the left of me, Deirdre O'Kane to the right of me, F- fucking free bar, <laughs> free bar, and I didn't take the piss. Now I had a couple of pints, but I didn't take the piss, um, because I was actually afraid that I was I, I was going to get too locked, um, and then after the after the festival kind of wound up at around kind of midnight half, half maybe half twelve one o'clock, there was uh, the official, um, uh, party back in Wheelands. <laughs> Wheelands went until around three or four o'clock. Uh, I had to get out of there about half two because I could feel my back teeth floating from Guinness. And uh, Barry Murphy bought me a pint. My fucking comedy hero bought me a pint. Like I, I, I honestly, like <sighs> fucking happy. Thank you more, please. Do you know what I mean? I'm I'm working hard. I'm visualizing success. I, I, I'm I'm affirming success every day, I'm trying to keep my vibe up, and this is, this to me was just like, you know, all recognition of all the hard work, and I'm just so delighted for it, and um, so great, grateful for it, and so happy to see all my peers, and people that that I aspire to be like, you know? And I just seeing Tommy Tiernan just fucking casually fucking drinking a, um, I don't know what he was drinking, um, whatever he was drinking, just drinking some sort of a, maybe, I don't know what it was, I didn't take any notes, I was just looking at his beautiful beard, and and um, everything in me was like, just go over there and say hi to him. But I was like, nah, leave him off. Be chill. Be chill. Because um, you know what? You don't want fucking people annoying you either, you know? But uh, and then I wasn't even supposed to go to the fucking... Like, I was supposed to do the gig and come back home. But that morning, my crazy, sexy, beautiful, inspiring, delightful amazing wife said you should be staying in Cork or you should be staying in Dublin why don't I try and get you a hotel i'm like babe have you even watched the fucking news have you even tuned into the news hotels are there's no such thing as hotels anymore do you know what i mean you just like i think you might get a room for 455000 euros but she was like, she's the, like, that's me, negative, straight away, glass half empty, don't even try, she sure, there's no point. She's the exact opposite, she's like, the, glaf- the glass is overpouring with um, positivity. And she found a fucking guest house, a four-star guest house, a 20-minute walk, 20-minute walk to the, uh, to the Ivory Gardens um, for 109 euros. So she booked it. And uh, I stayed there. I had a fucking, like, a guest room. And no, I didn't walk. I got a taxi. 10 euro. But it was only, like, five minutes <laughs> in, the <laughs> in the taxi. And um, happy days. Happy days. It was fucking brilliant. Next day, back up. Down to Cork. Down to Kyla's last show in the Coco Club. And, like, poo. What a fucking show. Kyla Cobbler is absolutely incredible. And her, her shtick is... I think she's got popular from just being on Instagram and just being completely and utterly fucking honest about topics that people are generally not honest about or not saying they're deceptive, but they just, you know, the human condition. And um, she's got a loyal band of followers now. They're ca- she calls them the parish. And they're fucking amazing. There's like are herf- like, I absolutely love doing comedy in front of Chris Kent's crowd and Kyla Cobbler's crowd. They are amazing audiences. They genuinely are. First of all, I feel they're my own age demographic. No disrespect to any 20-year-olds listening into this podcast or even teenagers, late teenagers. Um, uh, but like, I'm in my 40s now. Like, Even people in their early 30s, sometimes it takes me a while to get into the same... Just to get into the same kind of wavelength as them, you know? Um, because it's just a fucking big generation gap. But Kyla's fans... Did I see? Th- I feel I have a lot in common with them, and I, 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 I really I enjoyed gigging uh, uh, all week with Kyla to her f- to her parish, and I got a few of her parish um, as fans ha- as my own Insta- Instagram followers now, and like that's another great thing about um, being out there and working with these amazingly successful people. You know, you pick up some of their fan base, and you know. Sometimes people are afraid of that. Sometimes people are afraid of sharing. And it's like, it's it's the exact opposite. You should just give away everything. You should just give it all away. Give it all away. Obviously you need to pay your fucking bills at home and stuff like that. But anything that you've got surplus or anything that you've got free or anything that you've got, you know, every abundance is all around us. Just give it away. Do you know what I mean? Be sound. Be fucking sound. And uh, Kyla and Chris are two examples of sound people. Um, and then, that was the that was the Saturday, right? So I drove up to. So we were in Kerry on the Tuesday, West Cork on the Wednesday. We did a podcast in the Cocoa Club on the Thursday. That podcast will be coming out on this podcast on Conversations with Cornelius in a couple of weeks' time. Un fucking believable podcast. Then on the Friday, I was up to Paddy Powers. Then on the Saturday, I was back down to Cork to host that. And then on the Sunday, I went to the All Ireland final. Oh, poted at you did not. I did, but your cork weren't playing. I know, but I went to see the All Ireland final. I got a ticket during the week. Uh, a buddy of mine, good buddy of mine. Let me take a drink. Let's just call him the Hoover. Got onto me and said, "I've got a, a spare ticket. You want to go?" I'm going to drive. I was like, "Oh my god, that sounds like heaven to me." Gaelic football match, the at the you know at, uh, the absolute pinnacle of the Ga season, the All Ireland final. I got a ticket. I have a drive as well, so I could fucking have a few pints and have a few smokes. I don't have to worry about driving. Um, and uh, go to see potentially one of the greatest teams of all time, Dublin. You know, and I was shouting for Dublin. And I'll tell you why I was shouting for Dublin, okay? It's not anti kerry rhetoric, okay? Although there might be a little bit of rivalry where I might have just eked for Dublin anyway. But Dublin are one of the greatest teams to ever play the game of Gaelic football on the on the team on that on Sunday last Sunday they had three players who at the end of the game had nine celtic crosses a celtic cross is an all ireland senior football uh, medal and they are not something that you can buy you know they, you have to win those you have to earn those they are fucking revered and there were three players who on that team who have now have nine Celtic crosses? That means they won. They marched up the steps of the Hogan Stand nine times in their lives and lifted aloft a trophy that many counties on this planet never managed to do. So they've nine of them. There was also players on the team that had eight and seven and sixes. So they are one of the greatest teams of all times. Of all time, they play the game the way it's supposed to be played: swashbuckling, fast um high scoring a t- there's a togetherness and a teak toughness and a unity about them that is just so admirable and their passion jesus christ at the end of the game um they were just springing around the place with fucking genuine passion you know dublin won and um and also then there's that little bit of rivalry between cork and Kerry. Do you know? And uh, I get enough, I get, an, and I get a bit of stick every time when I go down to, get down to Waterville from uh, the Kerry lab. And it's ban- tis banter now, like. do you know what I mean? Tis, tis like crack, do you know what I mean? But sometimes you just get sick of being told you're shit. <laughs> do you know? And when the person that tells you your shit ends up falling on their hole, on a, you know, in front of the whole world, you kind of don't feel that sad for them. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> David Clifford is probably, one of, is probably the greatest footballer I have seen play football in my life, okay? And he was odds-on to be, get, you know, footballer of the year this year. Um, and all things going equal, coming up to halftime, Kerry had, were winning by a point, in and he had scored two points in the first half and had set up a goal with a wonder pass like no one else would be able to do it. But in the second half, Something happened. Dublin got on top, and Mick Fitzsimons, the man who was marking um, David Clifford, and uh, and is one of these three people who have nine Celtic crosses now, did a great man-marking job on him, you know. And Dublin were brave enough to, to put one man on him. This David Clifford has has had two and three men on him from time, but Dublin went one on one, and then you had the other, the other uh, like just all fourteen lads just unbelievable passion and they play and driving the ball up the field in a way that that was just beautiful to watch they were really did play football the way it should be played you know attacking kicking sc- like high scoring the drive up was fucking beautiful i had a few bakes we got caught in traffic i didn't give a shit I was stoned. Then I got into Croke Park. I had another little jay about maybe an hour before I went into to, to Croke Park. And I was nicely baked. And I had a bi- li- little bit of coffee as well just to keep the sharpness going. And um, went in. And the one thing I will say is I've been going to All-Ireland finals since 1986. I haven't gone every year. Um, but I've gone to a good few All-Irelands. And I remember my first All-Ireland. I remember being lifted over the turnstile. Now this is a, a bygone era. And I know now, nowadays, that that kind of carry-on isn't. You know, isn't accepted. You have to pay for your ticket and all that kind of racket. But mine was lifted over. I was lifted over the stand and I sat in my. I literally sat on my dad's knee for the match, and um, that day is gone. That day is gone. Um, Sinead O'Connor, God rest her soul, passed away last week, and it was a lovely tribute to Sinead O'Connor at the start of the match. But uh, where they had her on the big screen singing, "Nothing compares to you," and honestly. Like maybe it was maybe it was the whole atmosphere, the whole tiredness of the last few days uh of just the relentless gigging and the relentless striving um maybe it was the little bake I had an hour beforehand or the bake I had two hours before that, but I just got emotional for that. I kind of had a moment within myself, and um my body was with me, but um he was he was lost in whatever he was lost in, you know. Um, but I did have a little moment with that, but take that out of it, and that was for special circumstances, I found I found it to be clinical, the programme was 8 Euros, um, it was, um, like, uh, I was up in the bleachers, it was a good view to watch the match, but there was, like, music being pumped around the place at the start, they had a hype woman on the field going... Come on, Dublin! Trying to get the Dublin fans up, and then, okay, Kerry, let's hear it from you guys! You know, I was just, I just didn't, I didn't buy it, and I felt like a consumer, and I felt because of that, I'm not giving these cunts any more money, and I love the GAA. But I feel that there's a, there's a disparaging amount of, um, I think there's a big gap between the very, very higher and enchilons. Enchilons it's a nice word isn't it, <laughs> of the GAA and the grassroots GAA and there's a fucking gap in the middle and some people are making money from this, this uh, I'm not so sure, I have no evidence, this is complete speculation and, um, uh, I, and uh, I'm, I'm going to preface it with, in my opinion, in my uneducated opinion, I think in a few years time there's something is going to come out where people have been fucking making money, do you know the way I, I, like, there's too much money being made and... I'd like to see it being divvied up, and I'd like to be, be in a fairer way. I'd like to see matches taken out of Croke Park. Like, much and all as I wanted to see the dubs win. It's it's a massive advantage for them to, uh, they can sleep in their own beds the night before and make their own way to the match. Now, I'm sure they don't do that, but, like, they can sleep in their own beds. They don't have far to travel. It's it's a stadium that they play all their games in, and I don't think that it's fair, and I'd be in favour, with all the money that the GA are making, and this is a radical left idea, right, but I'd be in favour of picking a fucking county, right, that is traditionally unsuccessful, something like Leitrim, okay, and putting a fucking a good stadium into Leitrim, and having games, having, you know, not saying All-Ireland Finals, but like having fucking neutral venue games there, you know, And and um and, and building... Uh, and building the backbone of the GA in the country of Ireland, and not just having it all fucking sucked up in Dublin. That is one negative thing that I will, I will say. <laughs> um, oh my god, I, I feel like I'm waffling on like a motherfucker on this podcast, but I've just got so much to say, and I haven't, uh, I haven't even, um, I haven't done a solo podcast in ages. Hang on there a second, um, till I just, I just must take my medicine. there. Taking two paracetamol there. Mm. Paracetamol are nice when taken in moderation, when you need to take them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the match finished anyway, and we went in a weird way. <coughs> we drove in a weird way to the to the game. Normally, you'd go in the red car way, but. Uh, <coughs> We got caught in traffic on the way on the way up and um t- the guy who was driving the Hoover took a satin um took a shortcut on satnav, and it led us on to a different way and um we parked up and we ended up walking into the stadium with a load of Dublin fans and it was real c- through a Victorian kind of like old school Dublin and we were we were immersed in the Dublin fans and normally I'm well used to obviously Kerry fans and cork fans down through the years, but like this this was kind of unique, and it was different, and we were getting the different vibes of the fans, you know, middle class, upper class, lower class, all the classes were there in their f- in their blue, in the sea of blue, and uh, yeah, it was it was cool, it was cool. Um, I just hope I just don't I just hope that the traditions in the GA don't get fucking whitewashed out over time, you know, because it is what's unique about it. Like I, I, f- I f- there was a lot of things that like. Can they not put a bloody like? And this is not a GA podcast now, all right? And I feel like I'm going on here a little bit about this, but it just it means a lot to me. Like, could they not put the minor game on before the fucking game? Do you know what I mean? Have the 15 and the 16 and the 17 year old boys or girls? I wouldn't give a fuck, girls or boys. Have the minor ladies football match on beforehand. I think that would be a brilliant. And then have the minor um, men's one on before the ladies football game. You know, like. I know the two... D- see, I think the division between the... L- um, I don't think ladies football or camogie are actually under the official umbrella of the GAA either. That, that needs to be addressed. Bring them in. To fuck, like... Oh, my God, politics. They drive you fucking to drink. It's very simple, okay? Look, they're playing the Gaelic games as well. Bring them in under the umbrella of the GAA, all right? Help them. Help them. Help grow their games. Their game is great too. Like, fucking camogie is an amazing sport, like... Ladies football is an amazing sport... Anyway, the drive home was was beautiful as well, and uh, and I was tired. I was tired. And I got home, and uh, I got a bag of chips, and uh, I came home, and I watched the Sunday game. And what was funny about the Sunday game was they were <laughs> announcing the footballer of the year, and Tomas O'Shea, when he was asked to announce the footballer of the year, he was like, this fellow, no, this is why I don't like Kerry, right? Kerry football, right? This is what annoys me about them. The footballer of the year, traditionally, right, and not exclusively but traditionally goes to the t- goes to a player who's on the team that wins the All Ireland. The hardest fucking thing to do on the GAA calendar is to win the senior All Ireland football title and usually if you win that the best players are on that team. Anyway, Jack McCarthy, sorry, James McCarthy is the guy who won who won it. Now James McCarthy is also one of the three lads, you know? One of the three lads. And uh, so there he he wins it anyway, but <laughs> Tomas has to fucking read out that he wins it and he he spends about fucking thirty or forties Seconds, yera, yera, Jesus Christ, yera! Look, he's is that my favourite one no And a big puss up, and I'm like, all the re- like for fear that he'd get fucking killed at home if he eulogised James McCarthy. James McCarthy has won nine All Irelands. He's a fucking tank of a man. He's a leader. He's a swashbuckling halfback. He's a tenacious defender. He's a battler. He's a grappler. He's a Gaelic. Modern-day football legend, and will be a legend forevermore. And probably it probably griped on him a small bit as well that he James McCarthy now has nine, and his own uh, his own uncle Paddy, I think, had eight, and there was a few Kerry lads that were on eight, and now they are no longer, and they no longer can be considered the kingpins of Gaelic football. This Dublin team have overtaken them, and um, that is probably a difficult s- a pill pill to swallow. But RT. Don't give a fuck about that. They're only interested in the ratings, so they'll get this man <laughs> to announce who the footballer of the year is. And the Kerry man, he was like he was like a uh, it was like a bee had stung his tongue and his face. And um, but eventually, he, uh, eventually, he waffled it out anyway. That James McCarthy was the man that was the, the footballer of the year, even though he didn't agree with it. He thought that it should be Clifford, David Clifford. And I would have said that David Clifford. Would be a shoe in for 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 uh, footballer the year had he had a good second half in the All Ireland semi final, but he had a disaster of a second half, and the poor man is carrying a burden that like I can only comprehend. I can't even comprehend. You know, he's uh, f- you know he's only twenty four. His mum passed away only a couple of months ago. He's been playing non stop, non stop since he's knee high to a grasshopper. And, like, nobody can... O- n- like, I mean, we're, they're only humans, like, you know? And he just did; it just didn't click for him in the second half. And he will have plenty of other days. And he is a phenomenal footballer. And I only wish he was a Corkman. Uh, and Kerry are lucky to have him and grateful to have him. And I can understand why they want to protect him. And fair play to... K- so what I will say about Kerry football, and my wife is from Kerry and I'm down there all the time. And, uh, well, I haven't been down there a lot this year yet, but I have been down there an awful lot over the last few years. They are, as Paddy once said, they are like fucking animals <laughs> about GAA, uh, but they are extremely protective as well. And um, I gotta say, you gotta admire that. But like, it's easy to be great if you're only playing one code as well. <laughs> Just have to say that as well. Uh, I want to say, I want to say thank you to all of my fucking patrons. Oh my god, what a blast the patrons I got last week! I have got like I quadruple five ten five or six X'd the amount of patrons we're in, we've nearly 30 patrons now on, on, uh, on the page and I'm so delighted and that's amazing like we got in over 20 last week because we launched the new exclusive patron only podcast Cornelius and the Queen um, with just me and my wife who come on every week and do an episode about how our life is and what the crack is going on with us and how we're getting on and or adventures, or misadventures, or, or, or banalities, or normalities, or whatever you want to say, and um, we've got a load of fucking sign-ups, and a lot of family and friends have signed up as well, and I actually really genuinely want to say thank you to my family and friends as well, in particular, because like sometimes people will be like, oh, isn't that just weird? I actually think that's beautiful. I think that is beautiful that my own friends and my own family fucking are getting behind me. So happy, thank you more please, I really appreciate that, um, this is, I've so much more to fucking do in this podcast, but I'm, I'm kind of, I'm just going to, okay, so uh, this week I'm fucking tired, I'm fasting, I'm working at home, I've been silent, this is probably the most I have spoken in any length of time, I haven't done any gigs this week, my wife is down in Kerry with the kids, um, I've been working at home, uh, very, very quiet uh, in terms of of talking. I had a meeting with Dan on Monday. Uh, Gigs were going on Tuesday and Wednesday and gig tonight, and I haven't done any of those. I'm working at home at night time. I have a load of stuff to catch up on before I go on tour. Uh, This weekend, I'm in the Coco Club on Friday, and I am supporting Neil Delamere down in Skibbereen on Saturday. And Sunday, I'm going to a fucking wedding. I'm going to my cousin Anne's wedding, and I can't wait. And I'm going to try and not drink alcohol that is the big thing can i fucking stay off the alcohol don't get me wrong i'm not saying i'm giving up drink i'm not saying that at all but i am too busy at the moment to be fucking getting locked and when i get locked i i it just knocks days off me so i'm going to uh <laughs> i'm gonna make some brownies <laughs> and i'm gonna have a brownie because i'm an addict guys i'm an if you're listening now you understand You'll already know I'm an addict. I'm a weed addict. I'm, an alco- I'm not an alcoholic, but I'm fucking. I just. I binge drink and I f- it fucks me up for days. So I've got a problem with that. I've got a junk food problem. I've got a social media problem. I've got a sugar problem. I am. Well, I'm, you know, and anything else you're having yourself. I'm, that's the problem. Like, I'm just. I'm trying to fucking make life easier and not make it harder. Anyway. With that being said, guys, I'm going to sign off. And I'm going to say I love you all. Thank you so much. Happy thank you more, please. If you want to sign up to the Patreon, please do so. Uh, it's a fiver, but we have a, whatchamacallit, an exclusive limited edition uh, <laughs> entry for two fifty, So it's half price. And you get to keep that price then for eternity. So two euros, 50 cents a month, by the way. And that's like fucking for, f- you know, uh, an episode every week. So for less than the price of a cup of coffee, um, and I'm talking a way less than the price of a cup of coffee, um, you get to, to support the podcast, support the Patreon, support my journey, and uh, just fucking, yeah, it'd be great if you could. Uh, all the love. Happy thank you more, please.